You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Sarp Kesky of Bipolar Architecture. There's this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos. I hate calling myself that. And underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. What's up? John LaMacchia is here. Johnny, what's happening, man? You know, hanging in there. Trying to make every single day count, as uh, challenging as that may be, considering our, our our current situation. But you know, trying to wake up every day and um, get shit done, and and be productive and creative, and 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 live my best life. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's been a really tough year. Um, but you you've really been busy. I mean, you've been keeping yourself really busy. Talk about some of the projects you've been involved in, and. And I know, I know you have a new single that just came out, but talk about all the projects you've been a part of this the past eight months or so. Um, well, I've been really focusing on my main music project right now, which is Spilacopa. And uh, I've been putting out music under that moniker for a very long time. And uh, this year I've just been very productive and I've been putting out singles and cover songs and um, just trying to uh, be creative and put some some really good music out into the world, some really cool video content and, um, you know, just uh, kind of cracking away at it and and sort of planting seeds for what will happen, you know, hopefully when things go back to the new normal. Let's call it the new normal because I don't think it'll ever be what it was. But, you know, sort of planting the seeds and uh, some great news on my end. I just started working with um, a really great record company from uh, Brooklyn, New York called Aqualam Records. And there's some really good people over there. And we're working on uh, putting, we're working on some uh, ideas to kind of like put together a full length record that will potentially lead up to a book and also possibly some other physical formats, like potentially vinyl and CD. But the main focus will be a book, which I'm really excited about. I've never done anything like that. So, uh, and I also linked up with uh, Chris Enriquez, Power Child Management, and he's taken me on as an artist. He's got some really great ideas. I'm really impressed by his, I don't know, his for- forward thinking and his like, uh, just his idea about the big picture, which I guess it's a, a good a good time to, to just, you know, let you know now. Uh, one of the things that we were discussing and one of the things that we kind of landed on was the fact that I'm no longer going to be using the Spilocopa moniker. I'm just going to be going by my own name, John LaMacchia. 
I'm going to be using that for my own solo music from now on. And, um, at least in the beginning of the new year, I'll be, uh, that'll be the way um, we're presenting this music. And I think it's an important step in the right direction because it's just so difficult to navigate and sort of cut through the noise, you know, and having just another new band name is just, it's just so much more complicated. And this really is my own solo music. So why not just use my name? And um, Chris really, you know, spoke to me and the guys at Aqualam and we had a big talk about it and he was really like, um, he made some really great points about it. So I'm really um, glad to have him on my team. That's amazing. Going back to uh, our trip to Atlantic City with Jeff from Lucky 13, it makes me want to call you Johnny Newname now. <laughs> you can call me any, I'll always respond because I'll always remember the joke. <laughs> Those were simpler times. <laughs> when you say you're doing a book, are you talking about, like, is it going to be like an art books type situation or is it going to be like nonfiction or like, what does that mean? Um, it is going to be a book, uh, more like an art book with uh, some written content, but mostly based on the lyrical content. I also have been drawing and, and making visual art pretty much my whole life. So the label also took an interest in that. We want to combine all of those things, you know, it'll be a book with, you know, obviously the download for the album and then it'll be within the book will be different aspects of my, you know, the different mediums I create on. I'm a photographer, I'm a visual artist, I'm a graphic designer. I've been drawing my whole life, as I mentioned. And there's like lyrical content. And there'll also be like um, memorabilia from like the recording process, imagery of the band, the, the members of the people that are collaborating with me on some of the songs. You know, so we really haven't begun the creative process for the for the book yet. That's like a whole new um, a thing that I'm super psyched about, but that's really the gist of it. That's really what the basis of it will be. Very cool. Very, very, very cool. Yeah. You did some, at least one or two of the two min two minutes to late night sessions, didn't you? I did one. So I was asked to do one so far, but I've been uh, hitting up Guarsenio being like, yo, man, I need to come back and do another one. He's got me in the fold. He's got so many people he's working with. I mean, I can't believe some of the people he's got you know, playing on, on, on his show, but, but doing the one song that I did, I think we did a, um, we did a, a Danzig cover from what I remember. It was so much fun. Gina from Baroness is such a, an incredible guitar player. You know, I've been playing guitar for a very, very long time, but at a certain point in my career as a guitar player, I became more, it became more about composition to me and songwriting and like writing the right parts not so much like dexterity and like shredding. That's not really my cup of tea as much as it was, I'd say 10 years ago or whatever. And I still hold my own, you know, I, I, I think I still hold my own, but um, to play with her, she's like such a great player and she's done amazing stuff. Like she's played guitar for, what is that? What is that? Cirque du Soleil. She's a guitar player for that. Oh, wow. Did you know? That's like crazy, crazy to me. She played in, see, her resume is like ridiculous. I'm super impressed by her. And she's a super cool person. And like, like everyone else involved in that whole project, we had so much fun. Santos from Old Man Gloom, someone who I admire as a musician. He's such a cool guy. And, and he's a great, he's a, he's a good friend. It enables you to play music with people that like you just normally don't get to just play with. And it's like a really fun thing. And I think that's the cool thing about this whole situation. It's created sort of a network of musicians just kind of working together that would never have the opportunity to do so. 
but we're forced to. So in a way, I guess that's, that's the silver lining of it, I think. It's been amazing watching how the metal world, at least, has pivoted and, you know, come up with other ways to be creative. I'll tell you, man, though, it's not that I, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm dying to see a show. I'm dying to see a show. And, and I really, one thing, you know, that we keep talking about, you know, I, I just shut down, um, we, we just shut down everything in Los Angeles. Oh, my God, man. I mean, completely shut down. So we laid off everybody uh, yesterday. But, you know, we're really positive that when things get back to the new normal, we think we're going to be busier than ever because people are, you know, are just going to come out in droves. And I think the same thing's going to happen, uh, obviously, in the music industry. I think the concert, you know, there's going to be so many shows, you know, in 2022, let's say especially in markets like New York or, or, or Los Angeles or, you know, the bigger markets, there'll be, there'll be a different show to go to every night if you want to. Yeah, sure. I, I think that, that that's the one silver lining is we, we got to get through this dark winter, but once we do and the vaccine is out, I think your, your industry, I mean, and a little bit, it's, it's a little bit of mine, but, but my industry and, and the music industry, uh, well, both um, are going to come back really super strong. I think I really do appreciate your positivity. And I know that like, you know, look, just getting personal about our personal relationship as friends, you know, I've, I've had some really dark moments as of late. Um, it's hard to keep the sort of energy and positivity going when you could basically slip into like a nihilistic state and just be like, fuck everything. I don't give a shit anymore. And I find myself on the edge of that sometimes because, you know, I, you know, whatever it is, what it is. It's a, it's a fucking, we're in this crazy moment in the world. As a friend, I appreciate your positivity. And you're always like telling me, dude, we're going to be good. It's just going to be a tough winter. We got to get through that, but it's going to be great. Everything is going to be great in the end. And it's like, it's so important to have good people in your life reminding you that like, you know, things are going to be okay. It's like, it's like everything else. It always you know, oh, it's gonna, we're gonna figure this out, you know, and we'll get through it. We have, I mean, it's been how many months already? Nine. Jeez, it feels like. I saw Kiss at the Staples Center on March 5th, and mm -hmm. I came the next day and started developing symptoms. So that was basically oh nine months to do that. I remember, I was just thinking about like, you were so, oh my God, you were so sick. Yeah, sick. And sick. you were stuck in that hotel room. Yeah, no, yeah. For, for how long, right? Long time, very long time. Let's not talk about. Let's talk about good things. So you still, you, right, right. you know, Mike MacGyver from Candiria. He just played on your new single. I want to talk about your, that new single, but also Mike always seems to kind of find his way into your music a little bit. You guys still, how many years have you guys been working together? Me and Mike have been working together for. Let's see. I, I would say since I'm about, I think maybe seventeen, so thirty years. I've been playing wow. music with that guy, and for the most part, pretty much almost every band I've ever been in. I mean, look, he, he's like family to me. He's like a brother to me. His family is like family to mine. So, um, yeah, I mean, and he's a great player and he's a great friend. And, you know, when I get together with him, it's just a really natural, easy way to, you know, communicate an idea to someone and they just know you well enough. They know me. He knows me well enough, you know, to be just like, I get it. I get what you want. And he's such a fantastic player and he has great taste in music. In my opinion, I think he has, um, we really see eye to eye on a lot of other different bands and artists that we had admired over the years. Even though our tastes changed a little bit here and there, and, and there, are, there are places where we, you know, we don't see eye to eye musically. But um, for the most part, when it comes to writing music and performing music, we really do come together, I think, really well. And um, I'm very lucky to have him at my disposal, basically, 
and for me to be like, hey, man, this is something I'm working on. You into it? And if he says, if he's into it, he's like, yeah, dude, I'm in. Let's do this. But sometimes he's like, sometimes he's like, no, I'll pass on that. You know, when it goes a little bit far out of like the zone where he's like super psyched about it. He, I think he's smart in that way because he doesn't want to invest himself and, and force himself to play something that would be sort of unnatural for for his playing. But but yeah, he's just fantastic, man. And I think he really really shines on on that on that song on that song with that beautiful ovation fretless bass. It's like such a beautiful instrument, and he nails it. It's crazy. Talk about the song. Sun is a song by a band called Deconstruction that was formed by Eric Avery and Dave Navarro from Jane's Addiction. Shortly after Jane's Addiction broke up in the early 90s, they formed Deconstruction. And they basically just went into a studio and wrote a record. And um, it was overlooked by most Jane's Addiction fans, most people in general, and Deconstruction never made another album together. But it turned out to be, in my opinion, one of the best records to come out of LA in, 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 in the history of all music, in my opinion. Um, especially in that era, like the 90s era of music. That record is still like, I mean, it's to me, it's everything I want in an, in an album experience. It's um, You can listen to it so many times and, and just hear new layers of things. They were doing things that were, they didn't like reinvent the wheel or anything, but they were doing things for that style of music that were very di- was very different. For, for bands that were putting out stuff in the 90s, they were doing a lot of sampling and they were like looping in like movie themes and like different scenes for movies and like you would hear it. And then it, would be, it was crazy for me because I would like try to figure out what the hell movie that is, you know? And it turns out it's, you know, Wings of Desire, one of my favorite movies, you know, from, from that era as well. So they were doing really interesting things. And the album, in, in my opinion, is just incredible. And it was like just this really beautiful cinematic record but it still had those like jane's addiction style riffs and like it had his playing and it's a, such a super cool record the song itself sun is a very simple song it's just a, it's just guitars and and eric avery's voice and it's a very mellow and there's some like other sonic textures in it but it's super mellow i knew that like when i wanted to cover the song because i feel eric avery's voice and my voice it's a similar sort of like timbre or a similar range i was like i want to make this into a rock a rock song i want to fucking put some balls behind <laughs> some of this some of this stuff so i just worked on it and figured out a way I, I kept the key and I kept the vocal melodies and that's it. Everything else I just turned into like some kind of like typo negative style, you know, dirgy rock tune. And that was my take on it. It's great, man. It's great. And also having seen, uh, you know, I think I, for the most part, been a part of, you know, when you really started focusing on, on singing and your voice has come so far. It's not even funny. Thank you, man. I appreciate it so much. Really good. Really good stuff. I feel like we're blocking Matt out of the conversation. Matt, jump in here. All good. I wanted to circle back to the relationship with Mike because to have like a 30-year relationship like that, that's kind of been, like you said, it's been through every project. It wasn't like there was some sort of like breakup. And was there a point, and this is kind of a weird question, but I'm always curious about this. Was there a point when you were teenagers where like you were sort of like, oh, okay, like me and this guy are like gonna just do stuff forever? Like, was there a point when it was like, Ah, yes, this is my guy. Yeah, and it's funny, and it actually it actually circles back to, to Jane's addiction, which is a really weird thing, because at the time when I met him, we were playing, we were both playing in different hardcore bands. I was playing in a band called Patterns, and he was Great playing band. in a band called Judgment Day, from what I remember. 
we were backstage and this is just before I didn't meet him yet or I just met him and he started playing three days from Jane's Addiction on bass and I was like this is just when Jane's Addiction was like at that point everyone was just like changing their sort of I think their taste like at least in my in the like the hardcore community a lot of people were getting into Jane bands like Jane's Addiction and Nine Inch Nails and the early 90s the very early 90s records that were coming out bands like Ministry and um you know so when he played that I was like whoa man that guy knows how to play <laughs> that cool bass line and like no one else here everybody is into hardcore and like these like crushing riffs or whatever so that was a big moment for me where i was like man this dude is so cool and then we started talking and by the end of the day we were like okay we gotta just like be friends and like hang out and then we wound up playing in bands and then we just are, here we are today and i guess that was that moment if, if, if there was one moment that i can look back on when i was a teenager it was that moment with me and him where we're like okay I see you, man, you know? It's cool, because that's, like, so much of what I love about music. It's, like, one riff, and suddenly you're like, yeah, okay. You know, it's not even like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we like the same band. It's just like, oh, no, you also fuck heavy with that riff, so now we're friends. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And it's the best part. Yep. It's funny, because I remember seeing Candiria for the first time at Urban Plaza, I want to say, opening for Clutch in, like, 94 or 95 or 96. Um and I'm, you know, a mediocre drummer, but I love drums. And so when I go to a show, I'm, t- I'm typically fixated on the drummer for the most part. I'm, I mean, obviously, it's different if there's a really great front man or woman or whatever. But, but you know, I, I would say I probably spend 60% of my time at a show watching the drummer. And um, sure. I was in the very front, right up against the, right up against the stage or the, or the barrier. And um, I remember I was just mesmerized by Mike. I was just mesmerized by his playing and like how much fun he was having and just, just the way he puts his whole yeah. body into when he plays. And I just remember being like, wow, this guy, this, this, this bass player is incredible. Like, um, I remember that like it was yesterday. Um, and one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's a great guy. He's a fantastic human being. He's got a great family and, and, uh, and he's a, he's a great friend. Um, he really is. He's like just a stand-up guy too. But, you know, he is... Um, he is a really interesting bass player. He has a very strange take on on creating bass lines and the way he writes. He's a very unique, in my opinion, um, Candiria has very has a, a, a lot of unique qualities. Um, but like, I don't think people realize how important his bass playing is because a lot of the time, and this is not a knock on any bass player out there in the world because sometimes it's just the right thing to do. But most of the time in metal music, bass players are really following along a lot to what the guitar player is doing. And Mike is, is always finding his own way, really connecting with the drummer and just building bass lines based on, on, on the drum feel. And uh, it's a unique thing that I don't think, I, I wish more bands did it. But in a way, I'm like, I don't want to, you know, if that's like a secret little weapon, then <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> let's, not, <laughs> let's not let the whole world know. But he is, Mike, I can't say enough good things about him. Absolutely. And like, you even can tell that in the bass, even from the first, like even on Surrealistic Madness, you know, you mm-hmm. can sort of be like, like, you hear that record and knowing kind of where you guys come from. Mm-hmm. Even then you can kind of be like, oh, wait a second. This is not what I, everyone else signed up for. This is another thing. Sure, sure. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, you and I have talked about this kind of people out there that are listening may not know how, you know, John and I are very, very close and talk very often. So we've talked about this, but you want to just talk about what's happening with Candiria and, you know, or if anything's, you foresee anything happening in the future? Um, I mean, like, you know, I, I, it's funny because I just recently, um, me and, me and Mike and Ken, 
the original drummer from Candiria were texting. And there's been a song that's been bouncing around for quite some time. It's something that I composed this piece of music years ago. And I sent it to Ken because we share, me and him at this point, we always, me and Ken always recorded a lot of music together. And, and a, a lot of that music that we recorded in our own little, own little home recording studios wound up on the record. And we were the only ones that had those types of setups. So, you know, if, if everyone in the band did, I'm sure other people's um, home recordings would have wound up on the albums. But me and Ken particularly were, were into, big into recording. Um, so this is a song that I sent Ken many years ago, and it's a song called Triple X, and it's inspired by a Miles Davis piece of music from the fusion, Miles Davis fusion era, like the weird, tripped out, jazzy, crazy rock fusion stuff that he was doing, like, you know, like the Bitches Brew era stuff. The title is inspired by a song called Rated X that he put out. So we, I, I titled it Triple X, and it may change, who knows, but it's a kind of like a jazz, rock jazz fusion piece of music. And it's it's really spacey and and like in, it's kind of like fun and and free. So that's floating around, and uh, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, there is some conversation about something coming out in the future. We just don't know what or when. And right now, we're just kind of like having some fun. I know Ken is also working on. Um, he's putting out um, like these drum playthrough videos that me and Mike are are participating on. Like um, kind of like talking about his drumming throughout the years of Candiria and like playing playing through some of the more popular songs like from albums like 300 percent density and uh, some of the older stuff and eventually i hope he gets to like an album like what doesn't kill you which i know that um chris that was one of the records that i think me and you when i first met you that didn't come out that came out around the time i met you and um when we well when we first really became started hanging out and talking about music and becoming friends so i think eventually he'll work his way up to that <laughs> but that's basically what we got going on in 2021 there's going to be a big thing happening with uh one of the records we put out um it's the 20th anniversary for that album 300 percent density and there's going to be i can't i don't know if i i'm able to speak about it but there will be a vinyl um release of that album through a european label which i don't remember their name right now but the guy the owner this guy virgil is a really good friend of mine and there will be a bunch of um coverage about the album um, around that time when it came out, which I think is May. Actually, I have a question. I remember a couple of years ago, you and Jeff were kicking around doing like an outdoor music festival kind of thing on that block. Yeah. Um, it obviously happened, but is that something that could still happen in the future? I mean, I think when, when the world comes back to normal, that would be something that would be like insane. Well, you know, it's funny because I wound up um, having a podcast of my own for, for a short period of time. Uh, called the Brooklyn Blast Furnace Podcast, and it was me and Jeff and this guy, this guy, Jimmy Ferrari, who who is a of someone I know for a very long, very long time. And the reason that podcast was formed was because we were trying to do this street festival on uh, Sackett Street, where Lucky Thirteen Saloon is. And um, we started the podcast to promote it. You know, to get the initial concept was we were going to promote this thing. We were going to get all the bands on. And the podcast was the way we were going to promote and talk about all the artists that were performing. They were going to be the guests. It was this whole concept. Um, and, uh, we know, we just couldn't pull off the, there were too many. We, Jeff couldn't get the permits. We couldn't get the, they wouldn't give us the, the community board wouldn't approve it. 
It was all of these things that just we couldn't make happen. <clears throat> and unfortunately, it never happened. But we wound up with a podcast that, you know, I stuck with for a while. But I was like, you know, I didn't get into this to do a podcast. I got into this to do like a festival of some sort. And um, but Jimmy still has a podcast. It's really cool. He always has great guests on. It's called the Brooklyn Blast Furnace. And uh, if you're into like horror, hardcore, underground music, you should check it out. You know, it's a really cool podcast. Cool. I think I'm on the first 50 episodes with him. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Amazing. It's funny that my the invitation to be a guest must have gotten lost in the mail. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I think we did try to get you on at one point. It just wasn't working out as far as like your schedule and our schedule. Yeah. We tried to get you on and I think we tried to get uh, Brian Slagle on together at one point. It just never, it never panned out. What's happening with your label, Rising Pulse? Uh, not much. I just, last year, was it 2019? I put out the 10th anniversary of the, the Bad Wife, Julie Christmas, the Bad Wife record. I put that out. I put out that in 2019. Then the pandemic happened and it kind of thwarted a bunch of different things that I had in the works simply because it was impossible to, you know, get any records pressed, <laughs> you know, like I, I had all of these ideas and um, from the fiasco, like the insane amount of trouble I had shipping records overseas. I was like, I can't, I'm not even doing this. I can't do it. It's crazy. I just can't. So I, I really pumped the brakes there for a minute. And I just decided that I was going to wait until things calmed down a little bit. Now things are picking up. I have this cassette that's slated to come out. We're not exactly sure what the date is yet, but it's going to be early February. I have a, a, a limited cassette run coming out. Uh, this artist, Lee Bartos, this guy that I know, he does all kinds of really cool music and like noise and like industrial music. And, and he was part of this project and it's called uh, With Love Is Nothing. And um, it's a really cool record that I played. A, I played a couple of songs. I played guitar in a couple of songs. My friend Mike from the band Tombs played a couple of songs, played on a couple of songs. And it's really cool if you're into like hard industrial, like, I don't know, I hate to compare it to anything, but if you're into industrial music, it's a really cool album. It's more than that, but I mean, it's definitely in that realm of industrial, ambient, dark ambient, dark, weird, heavy, crushing shit, like Youth Code and Street Sex, band like, bands like that. So that's really what I have going on. And then I know the Candiria record is going to come out, the, three, uh, the, the repressing of 300% Density is going to come out in May. And I'm going to really be like putting out like a bunch of merch for that and doing a bunch of stuff here. And I'll have the record available through Rising Pulse as well. But that's all I have planned right now. You know? My last thing, we're coming up, we only have about uh, seven, eight minutes left. But I know that you are a movie buff. Oh, yeah. What, what have you been watching during this uh, pandemic to kind of get you through? What's been your favorite couple of movies? I rewatched Bone Tomahawk, which I think is one of the coolest movies ever it's like a western horror somehow those two genres came together with this one and it's got such a cool cast and it's a great story it's super cool man it's so fucking cool i love it i also watched this movie called pieces of april which uh is uh oh man what's her name she was married to tom cruise for a while katie holmes katie holmes thank you thank you thank you yeah katie holmes is the star I got you. Thank you. <laughs> and she's like this. They call her like a wayward young girl. She's like the black sheep of the family. And she's like a punk chick. And she lives in the Lower East Side of New York City in the 90s. And they live in the suburbs. Her family lives in the suburbs. And her, her the mother is like terminally ill. So for this Thanksgiving, 
April wants to have her family come into Lower East Side and, and she wants to make the Thanksgiving dinner. And it's a complete fiasco. And I'll just give you like the, the first thing that happens is her stove doesn't work. So she turns on the stove and she's not, she can't make the stove work. So now she's got to like knock on the doors in the building to all these strangers and ask if they can help. And uh, I watched that on Thanksgiving. Um, and it really like, it, it, it kind of was a very uplifting, cool movie. And I really enjoyed it. If you're a fan of like Wes Anderson and John Waters, it might be something. It's a really great soundtrack, like really cool, obscure, like 80s, 90s, I guess, dark wave or like, I don't know, dark rock or whatever. But a really cool soundtrack and a really great movie. And also, if you didn't watch The Queen's Gambit, that series on Netflix, I highly recommend it. Yeah. I thought it was really fucking cool, man. It was a really cool, really cool series. I really enjoyed it. It's a really cool, cool thing. Got it. Do you have any sort of final things you want to plug before we have to wrap this up? Anything that we need to be aware of that's happening in 2021 at this point, basically? I will be putting out music under my name, John Lamacchia, my, my actual name, um, on Aqualam Records. And I'll be putting out, I'll be working toward a full-length album that will also include a book. That's what I have planned for the year. And I, and I, I really hope people check it out and, um, and just keep up with me and see what I'm, what I'm working on. How can people find out about music? They can hit me up on Instagram. My name John Lamacchia. Uh, or they can check out Candiria. I'm always posting stuff about my personal endeavors on, on the Candiria Instagram. They can find me on Facebook. You know, those are the two main. I'm not a big Twitter guy. I don't really tweet. Don't TikTok me because I ain't there. I don't like that. That's stupid. <laughs> kind of weird to me. We're both of, of an age where I don't think TikTok is in our future. But Matt, however, has got a bright TikTok future. We're going to get you on TikTok, Chris. <laughs> you don't want to do it, but it's going to happen. Oh, God. I'm like about to post a TikTok <laughs> oh. as soon as we hang up. Cool, man. Well, thank you guys for having me. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.